Good morning. Um, lovely to see your faces and some of our students kind of trickling back um, for the new semester. There are a few people here who I don't really recognize. So um, if you don't know me, and if you do know me, my name is Caitlin. Um, I'm part of the staff team here and do various bits and pieces. Um, right, where are we? Okay. Last week, um, we picked up where we left off before Advent in the Gospel of Luke. Um, we've been journeying through Luke for about 18 months-ish. Um, we looked at the story of the Good Samaritan last week, and Phil walked us through it, helping us um, to think about how we can practically love our neighbor. Today's passage follows right on from that, and it's one a lot of us are uh, familiar with. Um, it's the story of Mary and Martha, a short five verses um, that pack a punch. So without further ado, let's read it together, and the words will appear on the screen. Words, scriptures. Um, so it's Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 42. Now as they went on their way, he entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he was saying. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks, so she came to him and asked, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. Great. In the autumn, the section of Luke we were um, traveling through had us thinking a lot about who is Jesus. And then when I spoke um, in November, we kind of turned the corner to think more about who are we in light of who Jesus is. Since then, our passages have had more and more teaching from Jesus about what it means to be his disciple, what it looks like to follow him, and that's kind of where we still are today, and the lens, the kind of big picture view to which I am approaching um, this passage. Mary and Martha's story is a well-known one, and so all I really want to do today is look at each person in turn and see what we might learn about being Jesus' disciple from them and see what the Holy Spirit might have to say to us through them as well. Our favorite question to ask when preparing a preach in this church is, what is God saying to this church at this time through this passage? And I think that what God has for us is a word of caution and a word of invitation. Beware of distractions and come sit at my feet. So part one, Martha. Martha, who we meet for the first time today, is only mentioned three times in the Bible, once here and twice in John. We know she is the sister of Mary and of Lazarus, and they live in Bethany, and that is about all we know. Yet for someone who makes so few cameos, Martha is a memorable character, teaching us an important lesson in discipleship. In the story today, we read that Martha welcomes Jesus into her home, but that she was distracted by her many tasks and asked Jesus, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her then to help me. Clearly quite miffed that her sister Mary is sat doing nothing while she slaves away. 
Those of you here who have siblings might be able to relate to Martha. I can't tell you how many times I have rolled my eyes in a slight huff when I'm perhaps doing something like emptying the dishwasher as requested by my mum while a sibling snoozes away in another room having not risen yet and it's late in the morning. I get Martha. We probably all get Martha. Whether it's siblings, other family members, flatmates, colleagues, it is always frustrating to feel like you're the only one doing anything while someone, is, someone else who could be helping is sat on their backside. Martha feels like quite a reasonable person, and I can kind of get behind her frustration and question to Jesus. Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her then to help me. It doesn't sound all that different from conversations I've had with the Lord. Lord, do you not care that this always lands on me? If we get ourselves into the Martha mindset, we're expecting Jesus' response to be, yes, I do care. Right, Mary, off you pop. Go and help your sister. And yet, what Jesus actually says is, Martha, Martha, you're worried and distracted by many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. Personally, I'd be feeling a bit salty, I'm expecting my sister to be sent to help, but to be told that actually she's doing the better thing. Anyway, the word that jumped out to me in this passage was distracted. And I think that's um, the key here. When we talk about being distracted, we talk about our attention being away from where it should be. Martha was distracted by her many tasks. Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. Distracted. It's a word that we hear a lot. And of course, people have always been prone to distraction, but there's no doubt that it has increased massively as, our, as technology has become part of our everyday lives and of our frankly, every hour lives. But digital distraction is only one area of distraction. And I think we are becoming increasingly aware of it and the effects of it on our attention spans and just sense of joy. Um, so let's keep being aware of it. But Martha wasn't distracted by scrolling on her Insta in the kitchen, reading up on all the latest goss. No, she was distracted by her tasks, by her busyness. And this is much more subtle in my mind because a lot of the time, tasks are good and godly things. Preparing a meal for friends, keeping your house clean, going to work, serving in church, these are all really good things, but they can keep us busy and run the risk of distracting us from simply being with Jesus. Whenever I think about distraction and busyness, I think of this quote by Corey Ten Boom, which I think I read originally in John Mark Comer's book, Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. She said, if the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. If the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. Busyness itself, even busyness doing really great and wonderful things can be a distraction. A distraction from the thing that matters most, loving the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and strength. And busyness is quite addictive. 
we get a bit of a rush and a sense of significance, a big hit of dopamine in our brains for our achievement that makes us want more. But as a disciple, we don't ever want to be too busy to sit at the feet of Jesus. And I think this morning, the word of caution is beware of distractions. Beware of doing for Jesus in place of being with Jesus. If you were here last week, you're probably feeling a little bit of the tension of what we are called to do and be as disciples. Last week, we read about the Good Samaritan, which was about the importance of being active in our faith, in being the hands and feet of Jesus, actually getting up and doing something. Loving God, but not helping those in need isn't good enough. But today, we have a passage telling us in this instance, sitting down at Jesus' feet is what's more important. I don't believe it's an accident that these two stories are placed right next to each other but instead an intentional decision to help us consider both sides of the coin, loving God and loving our neighbor. On the one hand, if we don't abide in the vine, then we don't bear fruit. And on the other, faith without action is dead. Meaning, if we don't spend time with Jesus, the works of our faith aren't likely to be all that great. But if all we do is spend time with Jesus and don't get up and do something, then there's kind of a question about how real our faith is. Being and doing, both are important. Neglect either and we fall short of who we are called to be as a disciple of Jesus. But this isn't a chicken and egg situation. The being with Jesus has to come first. Our doing has to come from our being, from our abiding. It is so easy to get caught up in the tasks of the day. Life really is all-consuming, and if we don't make an active decision and take steps towards quietening ourselves and just spending time with our Heavenly Father, it won't happen. So let's take a second to ask ourselves, are we too busy to sit at the feet of Jesus? Are we too distracted by our tasks, by our activities, that we are neglecting to sit with our Heavenly Father. So a word of caution, beware of distractions, even good ones. Let's look once again at Jesus' response to Martha in verse 41 and 42. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you're worried and distracted by many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. Notice that Jesus' response is, is correction, but it's correction with compassion, not condemnation. Jesus is not condemning Martha. He's not telling her off, because honestly, she wasn't really doing anything wrong. It just was not the right thing for the right time. Her priorities in this situation weren't quite right. And Jesus meets us with that same compassion today. A good rule of thumb is that if you're feeling condemned, it's probably not Jesus. It's not how he works. If you're feeling condemnation about this or about anything else, we're going to take time to pray at the end. 
Before we move on to Mary, I have one more thing to say on Martha. Martha gets a pretty bad rep, but if we cast um, forwards to the Gospel of John, Martha's other feature in the Bible, she has one of the clearest pronouncements of who Jesus is, and that's pretty cool. She says in John 11, verse 17, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. You can't get much clearer than that. So while Martha didn't perhaps get it right in this instance, she does in another. Justice for Martha. <laughs> Section two, Mary. Who is Mary? We're not all that sure, honestly. There were lots of Marys. But Luke doesn't give, in this case, really any more information, so it probably wasn't all that important for the story. In today's passage, we don't even hear anything from Mary herself, but that doesn't mean she doesn't make a statement. When you sit and think about it, she certainly does. So verse 39, Martha had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he was saying. Mary sat at the Lord's feet. When I first began to look at this passage, I thought, well, that's nice. In comparison of Mary and Martha, Mary's giving us a lovely example of prioritizing being with Jesus over task. And yes, she does do that. But as I began kind of reading commentaries and what some really smart people have to say about this scripture, I realized that as there so often is, a bit more can be said about it. Sitting at the feet of a rabbi was a position of listening and learning. It was exactly what you did if you were training to be a rabbi yourself. And it was a position that was reserved for men. The fact that Mary sat herself down beside the others to listen to Jesus would have been borderline scandalous. And this might actually have also played into Martha's frustration. Mary hadn't just left her to do all the work by herself but she was breaking all sorts of rules about what was appropriate for a woman to do. Women were expected to be separate from the men in the house, and they absolutely were not to be assuming the position of a student under a rabbi. This may seem like a small thing to us today, but it was really significant. Jesus was redrawing the lines of what was acceptable for a woman to do. Tom Wright says that Mary has quietly taken her place as a would-be teacher and preacher of the kingdom. And in Jesus' response to Martha, telling her that Mary has chosen what is best, he affirms her right to do so, to sit at his feet, to be a student, to be a disciple. And I, for one, as a woman preacher in the church, and honestly, even just a woman disciple, I am very grateful. Tom Wright goes on to say, Mary stands for all those women who, when they hear Jesus speaking about the kingdom, know that God is calling them to listen carefully so that they can speak of it too. Personally, I'm at risk of missing the radicalness of the way Jesus treats women because I'm in the very fortunate position of never really feeling like my opportunities were limited because I'm female. And part of that is down to being in a church family that champions the voice of women. But not everyone, and not everyone even here, will feel the same. And there's still work to be done. 
And so I didn't want to skip over this and take it for granted. We serve a God who welcomes everyone to sit at his table. The women, the children, the sinners, the tax collectors, everyone. How wonderful that we have a heavenly father that values us all, that Jesus welcomes us all to his feet. Sitting at the feet of Jesus is not just for the men anymore. It is for everyone. Everyone gets to know Jesus. Everyone gets to learn about the kingdom and share the good news. The invitation to come and sit at the feet of Jesus is for you, and it is for me, and it's for everyone. So there's some of what I have learned about what is beyond kind of the surface of these verses in my prep for today. But going back to the surface, I do want to acknowledge in more than just a sentence the example Mary is setting for us of being with Jesus over doing for Jesus. In the midst of Martha fussing about jobs in the house, Mary is sat at Jesus' feet, listening to what he is saying and soaking up his presence. It made me think about when I host people at my house. I absolutely want to serve them, and that usually does mean some work to be done. But I imagine they wouldn't be the happiest if I spent the whole time working away, worrying about making sure my house was perfect or making a complex meal that had had me hidden away in the kitchen the entire time. Of course, elements of these things contribute to hospitality and a feeling of welcome, but not if I'm not actually present. If I am too busy, distracted by my tasks, at the expense of spending time with my guests, do my guests feel valued? Not usually. I'm sure they appreciate the effort, but I reckon they feel even more valued when I prioritize giving them my time and attention. And that is what Mary has done. She's recognized that the thing that is most important in this particular instance is time with Jesus. So then the invitation from Jesus of today, come and sit at my feet. It is an invitation to be before we do, to come and receive before we give out. Not always easy, I confess. I often find it tricky myself. The Lord even challenged me on it this week. Typically, in a week leading up to preaching, I pretty much only read the passage um, in my Bible that I'm preaching on, and that includes in my devotional time. Any other Bible reading essentially gets cast aside for the week as I live in the passage ahead of Sunday, asking God to speak to me through it. But that is me putting my doing for God, my serving through preaching before my own relationship with him. This week, he spoke to me about sitting at his feet to just be there with him, not to get something from him. Sitting at Jesus' feet can feel passive in the kingdom, but I actually think it is one of the most active things we can do. If you want to tell people about Jesus, you need to come and sit at his feet. If your heart is burning with a passion for compassion, you have to come and sit at his feet. If you want the Lord to use you in power, come and sit at his feet. We cannot do any of these things without God. The fruit of our labor is not going to be great if we try and do it from outside of the vine. What then does it look like to sit at the feet of Jesus now? 
when he's not actually knocking on our front doors um, to come in and teach in our living rooms. Last week in the office, we had a conversation about ways we are currently finding helpful for our time with God. And I wanted to share with you three of our answers as little starting points for you. Maybe time with God is something you've fallen out of practice of, or what you've been doing for years just doesn't feel like it's working anymore. So before we finish, here are three ways that some of us in the office are currently using for our devotional time, our sitting at Jesus's feet time. For me, I'm currently enjoying reading through a book of the Bible slowly and with a commentary-ish book. I'm a big fan of the For Everyone books that Tom Wright has written for the New Testament. That's what I referenced today. I find them really helpful for sparking some thoughts without digging in too deep. And I have a journaling Bible which has columns in the, at the edges of the pages so I can note down any um, reflections, prayers, or something that stood out to me. Someone else is enjoying going off to a coffee shop, a place with fewer distractions than the constant to-dos of home. Sitting with their Bible, they spend time asking the Lord to speak to them, usually getting a Bible verse popping into their head that they then spend time in and find that God is really generous in speaking through that. And someone else is enjoying just sitting in the quiet with a timer set to help kind of not check phones um, during that time and with two notebooks. One, to scribble down any thoughts that pop into our heads when we begin to kind of quieten ourselves. That always seems to be the time that the most random things pop in. <laughs> and the other notebook is to jot down anything that feels like it might be a word from the Lord. So there you go. A few different ways of spending time with Jesus, of sitting at his feet and being his student and I really recommend asking people this question, maybe even as we drink some more tea and coffee after the service or in your home group. Just ask each other, like, how, how are you enjoying spending time with the Lord? And hopefully you'll be inspired to try something new, especially if you're in a place where time um, with Jesus just isn't coming all that naturally. So, Mary and Martha, Martha and Mary, a word of caution and a word of invitation. Beware of distractions because they come thick and fast at us and we can be distracted by even such good things that we don't even realize. And come and sit at the feet of Jesus. Come and receive from him. Listen to his teaching. Let him shape you as you spend time in his presence because we've got to be with Jesus before we can do for Jesus. If you're able, why don't you stand with me? We'll pray. I'll just leave this just now. Father, thank you so much that you are, you are kind, you are gentle, you are compassionate, and that you welcome us to sit at your feet. Thank you that you're gracious enough to welcome us to your feet. And I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come, that you would meet with us now. Lord, would you be highlighting ways um, 
which we might be able to grow in our relationship with you. Lord, we don't want to be too distracted, too busy to see, um, to prioritize our relationship with you. So would you come now with your, with your gentleness, with your compassion and lead us into your presence. Amen.